Hi, you're listening to the Colorworks Podcast, a monthly podcast for business owners and managers looking to improve the way that their people work together. We are specialists in people development with particular applications in team working, leadership, customer service, and organizational culture. We've been going since 2003 and have so far had the pleasure of working with over 100,000 people across the private, public, and not-for-profit sectors. Our mission is to create vibrant workplaces in which all people feel valued and get heard, where communication is honest and clear, decision-making timely and robust, and authentic leadership filters throughout the organisation. Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Colourworks podcast. My name is James Hampton, and I'll be your host for today's show. I'm the Development Director of the Colourworks and specialise in designing, delivering and supporting our team with bespoke solutions based on our clients' needs. In this episode, we are going to be exploring coaching and feedback, the impact it has on relationships and the business benefits of embedding a coaching culture. To do this, I'm being joined by Ian Price, who has been working in businesses ranging from well-known high street brands, international blue chip organisations to startups. For over 30 years, Ian has developed a reputation for building successful teams who have been established in new business and turnaround companies facing serious challenges, both in the private and very public sectors. Ian now has his own consultancy and is a respected chair in the Vistage Global Leadership Network. Ian believes that the success of business rests on the strength of its people. This philosophy has guided his career with outstanding success. Welcome, Ian, and thank you for taking the time to join us on this podcast. You're welcome, James. To start us off, Ian, can you explain a little bit about the Vistage Global Leadership Network and your role within it? So the Vistage Global Network has been established since the 50s, uh, now comprises about 23,000 members worldwide and is a uh, peer-to-peer learning organization designed for SME business leaders. It's a confidential safe space where people have the opportunity to really um, unlock the potential of themselves and their businesses. Um, I chair a local group titled the South Downs and Solent Vistage Group, where we have 15 members who together learn, together um, share their experiences and potentially have the opportunity to see themselves uh, grow and their businesses develop. Fascinating. Could you just talk to us about how one of those meetings might run? So a Vistage meeting... Uh, is a day-long meeting. We hold it once a month and it comprises really uh, two parts. One is normally a workshop with a world-class speaker uh, and the other one is what we call the board you'd love to afford. The speaker workshop may uh, involve the speaker on a perhaps a a hard-edged business topic, perhaps, you know, marketing or raising finance as well as perhaps those kind of softer issues, more about personal well-being or mindfulness or something like that. The um, board you'd love to afford is just tapping into the knowledge, skill, experience and expertise of all the members in tackling uh, perhaps a, a challenge, an opportunity or a dilemma. And it's getting people out of their own thinking and giving them an opportunity to, to just learn from others. I love that, by the way, the board that you'd like to afford. You know, the guess of Vistage is that there's a, a collection of incredibly, incredibly experienced and knowledgeable individuals who come to the forum to help unpick various issues that might be face, they might be facing. Indeed. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you obviously haven't just walked into uh, this role, Ian. Um, so you've had an incredibly impressive track record of building and selling businesses. Could you give us a rundown and an overview of where it all started for you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, and it's very touching of you to say that it's it's such an impressive career. Uh, it's just been a life for me. Um, <laughs> the uh, f- For me, having graduated from university, uh, I went into a graduate program, uh, part of the Kingfisher organization, uh, and began running Woolworth stores um, back in the early 80s. Well, I, I guess that's where I first cut my teeth on learning how to manage teams, work with people. Um, as well as as delivering a great retail experience, um, I then went on to to spend time in the the betting and gaming world. Um, originally as a uh, an area manager for for William Hill and rising up to eventually um, running a very large number of retail outlets with with William Hill um, and a senior position in operations. Um, again, it's just learning about people more than anything else. Um, as well as certainly learning about risk uh, and risk management, about um, really understanding the basics of business. Uh, I then spent a bit of time working out in Gibraltar uh, with Victor Chandler, uh, and that in many respects was a was a, a kind of a startup. You know, although it was a well-established family business, it was about taking it online and, and giving it a real global presence. Um, so I kind of learned a lot about uh, a new set of skills for me uh, and new experiences. Um, came back to the UK, launched the Paddy Power brand here in the UK, uh, establishing its retail business, um, which again was was learning how important it is to develop trust with your customers. But that really was a, a phenomenal task of, of building a, a team from scratch, yeah. um, bringing all the tech, the talents and capabilities required to to take a build a business from from absolute startup to uh, to establishing it and establishing that brand on the high street. Had you received any formal training on how to how to build a team, or literally did you jump in feet first and muddle your way through? Um, it's safe to say there was a lot of muddling through. Uh, yes, in some of the places that I worked, uh, there was uh, interesting training opportunities and development but i think that hands-on experience of just working with people today today has proved to be where i've learned most and uh and probably is the great teaching uh, environment for me wonderful wonderful you mentioned that your passion um, became identifying and nurturing top talent uh, which became almost the foundation of your success throughout your career could you describe those common attributes you looked for when building that talent um, sure. Um, energy, enthusiasm, um, curiosity. Uh, I don't think that um, uh, as a team member or, or participant in a team, it really works unless you've got those things. I think that kind of appreciation of others um, is, is fundamental. It's interesting you say that appreciation of others. It seems that um, there's an increasing desire for organisations to embed that appreciation of one another linking into employee engagement, well-being, that sense of belonging, that sense of belonging. Um, has that formed part of your, your career move and focus in building these businesses? Um, I guess it has. Yeah, I think, I think it's important that people have to feel that what they're doing is important, that they've got a sense of purpose, and that they enjoy working with the people around them. 
Uh, if that's not there, I just don't think the team spirit develops. I agree. I totally agree. And that comes from the appreciation of the diversity of behaviours. Certainly. So um, what's your approach um, when spotting this talent, identifying this talent? What's your, what's your main de- developmental approach to these individuals? Uh, in terms of the developmental approach, it's it's been one where uh, giving people the opportunity to be the best version of themselves, mm-hmm. um, giving them the opportunity to take on challenges. And I guess it comes from a very personal, dr- strong drive that says there's nothing that I'm not capable of doing um, and giving people the opportunity to demonstrate that and prove that. I do get a huge essence of that authenticity from you um, today. Has, has, is that something that's always been with you or something that's grown or that you've developed or had developed? I think what's developed is my kind of appreciation and, and language around this, but I think it's pretty much always been there. You know, it's a, it's a strong ambition. It's a, it is a strong drive. Um, but that desire to see people succe- uh, succeed for them to be successful and to to live up to their potential, I think, has always been there, yeah. Wonderful. Um, feedback's quite a sensitive thing, but obviously essential because how we see ourselves as to how others might see us can differ somewhat. Um, and feedback can have quite a bad rep out there in organisations when done badly. Um, you've obviously spent some time giving feedback, not just in your Vistage, Vistage forum, but in the businesses and the uh, development of talent. Do you have a particular style or a methodology behind delivering that feedback? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, you're right that it's important. Uh, I think you're right that it can be done badly. I think I've probably learned more from having delivered uh, feedback badly than I, <laughs> than I have specifically about delivering that well. Yeah. Um, I think it's important when delivering feedback to focus on, as it were, um, the, the outcomes. It's not about the individual. It's not about the person. It's about, you know, perhaps the things that they've done or not done. Um, and focusing on getting a positive outcome and something that people can learn from. I got the sense that at some point within your career, you had received feedback in not the best of manners. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's safe to say that I have worked with some very interesting people whose style of delivery perhaps was uh, not of this age, uh, but they were very direct, <laughs> very forceful, very uh, aggressive, and sometimes, you know, quite antagonistic. Uh, you learn a lot under those circumstances, and I guess it's for me, been learning that's not how I'm going to do it. You know, I wouldn't wish people to have the same experiences necessarily that I've had. Uh, so you learn from that and you recognize that perhaps there are some inappropriate styles for delivering feedback. Fascinating, fascinating. That's certainly uh, learning by the mistakes of others is quite a powerful methodology if we can be objective in those in those situations. Those situations. Um, so I'd like to talk a bit more about... Um, you being a Vistage, Vistage chair, because mm-hmm. um, you obviously spend a lot of time coaching um, business leaders. When was the first time you were exposed to the coaching framework? Uh, I guess that goes back really to, to, to early days in sport. Uh, I was, uh, you know, an athlete and I worked with coaches to, to improve my performance as, a, as an athlete. Um, so it's always been part of who I am and what I've done. 
But in terms of formalizing, that's that's been much later in my career um, and become much more important now in the in the role that I have. Um, and a number of people have said to me through my career that that I was a good coach. Uh, that probably was a much more um, untrained and untutored approach. But my fundamentals have always been, so what would you do and how would you do that, rather than me necessarily saying this is how it should be done. So I guess there's been a, a kind of an innate coaching, but it's only latterly that it's become much more. Uh, sophisticated and professional, I would say. Wonderful. And, and that first opportunity of you having the executive or performance coaching in a, in a business environment, mm. um, how did that impact upon you and your relationships and your leadership style? Oh, that's an amazing question. Um, so I, I, I guess to to understand a little of, of how I got into this was first by, you know, working in a kind of consulting role for a number of businesses um, and I found myself kind of talking to to business leaders about you know the challenges that they faced in business, um, and you know potentially offering them solutions, um, and that became one where people would ask me the question, so how would I do it? Yeah. Um, and of course, it's very easy in a leadership role to to solve the problem, provide the solution, tell them what needs to be done. Um, the evolution from that into being a coach is to one where you recognize the fact that the people you're working with have got the answers. Yeah. They might not know it. They might not understand it. And it's a, it's a much more satisfying position to be able to encourage people to find those solutions. Uh, my own kind of metaphor for that is, is kind of leading people down a corridor that they perhaps didn't know exist. And, um, recognizing that there are doors that they may not have wished to open um, or even known there and kind of realize, making them or getting them to realize that there are other opportunities uh, that perhaps they just were not aware of to the, the, the challenge or the dilemma that they might be facing. Brilliant. That leads me to a really interesting question, um, which I think is quite pertinent to uh, the purists of coaching that are out there um, in the sense of that pure coaching conversation is guiding a conversation. So the individual establishes the solution to an issue themselves without any specific direction from a coach itself, mm-hmm. um, which would be mentoring if we were just to give them mm. the answer. Um, what's your thoughts on as a very experienced business leader of giving the answer in a coaching session? So uh, for a while, I've, I've taken the view that one works with other, uh, particularly business leaders, uh, on a spectrum. And at one end of that spectrum, there is pure coaching, where it is absolutely about facilitation and getting the individual to, 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 to find their own path. And at the other end is, is teaching. And somewhere in between, there is that mentoring, where it's you know, purely giving the answer giving the direction. Um, and I think for me, it's very situationally driven. So there are those people who are in circumstances where they perhaps just need teaching. Yes, perhaps indeed. they just need mentoring um, and many other circumstances. And, and again, perhaps the preferred approach is that they need that coaching and facilitation to, to find the right answer for them. I certainly haven't got all the right answers. I'm not an expert in all of those fields. So it just makes more sense for those people who are the the experts to to understand um, what what the right opportunity might be for them. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, it leads us also to this theory of mentoring and 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 coaching, and the sustainable value that sits between the two methodologies. Um, why do you think coaching works so much more um, 
sustainably than just mentoring or teaching? Um, I think because it's it creates the opportunity for uh, people to expand uh, almost exponentially. If you're going to come along in the role of mentor, then I think that there are limits to that, and the limits to that tend to be your knowledge and understanding as a mentor. Yes. Um, whereas a coach, the ability to step back, to look at things objectively, and perhaps ask a very pertinent question at, at an appropriate time has got hugely scalable value. So I think coaching in that respect, um, for me, is a much more satisfying and I think a much more valuable kind of role to play than that of a mentor. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a fascinating scenario to be in, isn't it? When you when you land that one question that ignites the <laughs> fire within an individual and you can almost see the torch shine from the back of the brain through the retinas when it lights up that it's actually discovered and found the answer themselves. The uh, aha moment, the light bulb moment is absolutely what many coaches and certainly I, I'm just looking for and, and enjoy the most uh, in those experiences. Wonderful. So what's coaching? Coaching, you, you said authentically that um, it's it's within your DNA. It's something that you've been known to do very naturally as, as cited by others. Um, and obviously there are those who are the natural coach. But do you believe it's a teachable skill? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think it's it's a, a set of skills. Uh, I think it comes from a, a place of curiosity. And I yeah. think it comes from a place of interest. Um, and I think if if people have got that or that is developed, then teaching some of the skills, perhaps imparting some of the, the, the basic models that one can use in a coaching scenario um, are eminently teachable, yes. Great. I know that one of my main challenges in a coaching situation is, is learning to shut up and wait um, from an extrovert's perspective, waiting past that point of discomfort um, until an individual's actually established their own, their own way forward. Um, but from your perspective, what sort of skills or competencies make a great coach? Uh, as I've suggested, I think curiosity, I think interest, I think you're right, uh, patience, um, that ability to uh, be present, um, that ability to um, really focus on what you're seeing, hearing and, and feeling coming from your, your coachee um, are just some of the, the, the really important things for a, for a great coach. Great. How about questions? Questions are quite an important part of the coaching process. And um, I'm always fascinated when I meet other coaches as to their killer question, that one question that always sits in the backpack ready to be delivered that might just shake things up or shift a thought pattern. Do you have a go-to killer question? Uh, do I have a go-to killer question? Um, I think if there is a, 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 a question that I rely on heavily, it's what else? <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit more about that and why you might position that question? So I think that, you know, what else is important for, for, for me and for us all is because it extends the thinking. It opens up the thinking. It, it, it perhaps challenges a little. 
So if someone has has kind of been thinking about something and you want to break their state or break their their pattern of thinking, simply asking that and what else um, just just makes people realize that there's perhaps something else to think about, realize, be aware of. Um, and it, it does come with a certain economy of effort. It's interesting, isn't it? Because what you're doing is hacking the brain right now. You know, we get stuck in these cycles of thought patterns, which is why we do habitual behavior and think in a habitual way. And that prefrontal cortex, that clever stuff, the executive lounge is hardwired for a yes and or no. And it's pretty lazy in its functions and doesn't want to change. But that question, what else, is just pushing that boundary and making those neural pathways forge new ways of looking at things and realizing things. Fascinating question. Fascinating question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a particular process that makes up a coaching coaching conversation? Uh, do I have a, a, a yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, there's there's some of the fundamentals and the easy stuff, the, the the grow model. So understand what the goal of the individual is, trying to understand what their their current reality is, what the opportunity and options might be, and and what next. So that's that's you know hard imprinted for me in terms of of structuring the conversation. Um, but of course, you're dealing with individuals, so it's always a very dynamic set of circumstances. But it's a it's a great starting point, uh, and it's a good structure to to any coaching conversation. It's a really interesting model, isn't it? Um, just the learning how to, to to formulate that conversation, and it's almost a, a skill for life. Mm. I feel, um, and a communication style. Absolutely. At that point, rather than just siloed into one of those coaching coaching situations. Correct. Coaching can be quite exhausting because you give it your all. And it takes it takes intense focus to be there to listen and to to hear what's not really being said. How do you restore your energy after a coaching session before another one? Well, I I I, I absolutely recognise that there is an intensity required. There is um, that requirement to be present to be able to understand and appreciate what's going on in the coaching situation. But actually, it it produces energy. You know, the that that recognition of the the uh, the light bulb moment that I talked about earlier. The the fact that people are uh, you know unlocking those doors, unlocking that opportunity, unlocking that unlocking that potential creates that energy in its own right. It's a very satisfying set of circumstances for me. That that kind of is a, an energizing uh, situation for me. Um, yeah, I think it's important to to take some some downtime uh, after a coaching session just to 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 sit back, reflect, uh, and prepare for whatever comes next. You're obviously hugely energized by uh, seeing others achieve and seeing others see things in a different light or achieve things in a different way. Um, is there a particular case study or a coaching subject that you could share that's been a success anonymously, obviously, because you are bound by your coaching confidentiality? I think that there are, you know, any any number of, of coaching conversations that I've I've had. Um, and I think in general terms, I, I would comment on those where you absolutely see the mindset change where someone might recognize that they've had a relationship with an individual um, and that it's not necessarily be the most satisfying. To do a, a, a second chair exercise with those individuals, which I've done on a number of occasions, simply get them to, to sit in a different position and 
get them to play out the character of the person whom they're not having a great relationship <laughs> has been very fruitful. Just to get them to have a different perspective, almost to get them to talk in the voice of the person who they are perhaps in conflict with has proved very, very valuable. Um, and that that's transformed the number of relationships uh, that I've seen with with people that I've coached. That's a really interesting process and very Ericksonian. Um, take me back to the, my, my days in therapy. Um, but a really powerful way to break cycles of understanding to see how others might actually see things. Incredibly powerful, incredibly yeah. powerful. So we've talked a lot about um, uh, your, your past and your experience and, and the actual one-to-one coaching style of conversations. Um, what sort of impact do you think that coaching can have when embedding a culture? Uh, I think it can have a huge impact. I think if you're talking about developing a culture, then for me that comes from everybody associated with that that community or organisation or business. And therefore it's about getting everybody to be involved in that. And increasingly I've talked to and worked with organisations where they're becoming self-organising. And to do that, it's about the talent, it's about the empowerment of those people. And that can really, to my mind, only come from a coaching culture where people feel that they can come forward with their ideas, their solutions. So that has to be led by people who are prepared to allow that that kind of coaching and recognise that they don't have all the answers, but individuals within the organisation can can make that contribution and make a difference. So I think it's it's hugely important in, in developing, as it were the right kind of cultures that empower people and um, unlock that potential. Brilliant, brilliant. How would an organisation start that process? I think it starts with the leadership of the organisation and the importance of uh, leaders within the the organisations just developing that habit that says, so what do you think? Um, so rather than being the problem solvers and, and, you know, reacting to their writing reflex that they do just ask the question, you know, what do you think? How would you do this? Um, and I think that just starts as a, as a small thing and, and begins eventually to grow across an organization. And if you foster that and allow that kind of culture to develop, that's, that's how it grows. Wonderful. And, and, and what would be your recommendation for somebody Uh, who would be searching for a coach? Uh, Ask questions of others. Get the recommendation. Ask those people who perhaps they respect. Um, Look to those organisations who are strong in this kind of area, like the Colour Works, you know, find out where where they can help in terms of developing that coaching skill. Uh, And without a doubt, you know, if you want to develop that, that coaching ability, you know, find a coach, you know, go to organizations where coaching is an important part of it, Vistage, for example, um, and take it from there. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. This has been really insightful and almost almost feel like I've had a coaching session myself just being in your presence. Um, if anybody of, if any of our listeners would like to uh, contact you, how would they go about contacting you about your consultancy or becoming a Vistage member? Sure. So becoming a Vistage member, really easy. Uh, just go to uh, vistage.co.uk. Uh, or if you want to get in contact with me, you can do at ian.price at vistagechair.co.uk. Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you very, very much for your time, Ian. Um, and thank you for tuning in and listening. If you'd like to know more about coaching and feedback through the Colourworks lens, 
um, please go to www.thecolorworks.com and click on the solutions tab on the homepage. Tune into our next podcast where we'll be talking to our next guest about purpose, values and behaviours. We hope you found this episode insightful and interesting. If you want more information on today's topic, then head to thecolorworks.com and look for our solutions tab on the main menu. If you want to be notified of new podcast releases and other useful people development resources, then please subscribe to our mailing list and follow us on social media at The Colorworks. We're active on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn and we look forward to seeing you over there. Do you want to see the impact we can have on your organisation? Then get in touch through our website or email the team on inquiries at thecolorworks.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.